Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and on today's show, we have pro basketball scout James Blackburn, owner of Power to Win Sports and co-founder of the Coast to Coast Basketball Showcase. And in this episode, he gives great insight in how he looks at players and their ability to translate to be successful in the international game. He talks about a lot of the differences between the game in the States and overseas. And he also gives some important insight for anyone that's interested in going into such a unique line of work, such as being a sports agent. Let's get after it. Mr. James Blackburn, excited to have you on the podcast this morning. Uh, I know you have a lot of international basketball experience that we're really looking forward to hearing. How are you doing this morning? Oh man, I'm I'm good, Steve. I, I appreciate you uh, you having me on. Yeah, we got to know each other a little bit the past couple of years at the overseas basketball combine. You were scouting and coaching, I was coaching, um, and so it's been cool to kind of follow uh, your work and your progress. And you have a very unique uh, job that you've really created for yourself with Power to Win Sports, the, the scouting, the combines that you run around the country, um, and you know a lot about international basketball, which is one of my favorite forms of basketball. And so I'm really going to enjoy this conversation as well as a lot of others. Um, can you explain a little bit of some of your background and how you got into being an agent and running your own business? Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll kind of give you the the short version, I guess. Um, I started working in basketball when I was in uh, when I was in college. Um, went to a small D two school, uh, but started actually doing some scouting work for for a company here locally, and um, went to Salem called Basketball Elite at the time, and um, that that kind of started just scouting high school players and. It was something I enjoyed doing. I had always been a basketball guy my whole life, you know, always played um, and knew I wanted to have a job in basketball. Uh, just didn't know what quite which area, um, but I knew it. I, I my goal was to be an NBA scout. So um, but I would have done a lot of different things along the, those lines. Um, so I started doing basketball elite and then that kind of led into uh, you know, one thing that led into something else and it kept on kind of building. Um, but after graduating uh, college, um, I did an internship with the Charlotte Bobcats in basketball operations. And uh, that was a great experience. Um, you know, got to do a lot of cool things there. And then once that was over, um, I coached high school basketball for three years. And during that same time, I started coaching AAU basketball. So that kind of you know, got my um, foot in the door as far as the coaching area. Um, and and then during that same time, I was still working for basketball lead and then started scouting college guys, um, started getting more into the pro scene, started doing some scouting work for other agencies, um, you know, started working a lot of uh, Joe Dinda's events. Um, we had talked about him. That's where we met, uh, you know, more overseas combines, G League camps, uh, different things of that nature. And then, you know, fast forward all the way to uh, 2012, um, and that's when Power to Win Sports was started. Um, I guess it was 2013, I guess is when it was. Um, and it was started by a guy out in California. 
uh, he found me through some mutual connections and he asked me to come on board to kind of uh, run the basketball operations in the agency. So I was the only employee, uh, did it all, you know, scouted guys, got them jobs, you know, did the training, everything like that. And, um, and here we are, you know, starting our eighth year. Uh, I bought the company, I guess it was two years ago. So that's where we are now. That's awesome, man. You know, for those that need to follow this guy on Twitter that aren't right now, during college basketball season, I swear you're at a game every single night <laughs> scouting <laughs> scouting somebody, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so I didn't realize, I mean, you had experience at the NBA level, the, every, every single level. That's, that's awesome. Um, and now you're doing a lot of scouting in regarding to, which is how we met. Uh, for for college players to play overseas can you talk about the difference between the American and international game yeah so uh there's quite a few as you know Steve um you know having played over there so uh I would say one of the biggest differences is um the rules as far as you know the physicality uh with basketball um you know, overseas, uh, you know, it changes country to country, but especially in Europe, you know, it's a lot more physical. Um, you know, they allow hand checks. Uh, you know, there's no defensive three seconds if you're comparing it to the NBA. Um, you know, so guys pack the paint. Um, you know, there, there could be a lot more physical in the paint, you know, arm bar you in the post. So just the physicality in general, um, you know, is, is a big thing that college guys have to get used to um, as far as, you know, going overseas. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, just, you know, going from college to, to pro, you know, you've got different times, I mean, of the games as far as you're playing four 10-minute quarters instead of the, the two 20-minute halves. Um, you have no live ball timeouts. Uh, before this past year, when they moved the three-point line in college, the three-point line was a little further back. Um, so, uh, those are actually all the, the on-court things that's the difference. And then as far as just, you know, the difference in, in basketball, uh, you know, overseas they're playing a lot more team game. You know, um, you're, you're going to run through, if it's a pick-and-roll offense, let's say, instead of just one ball screen, you might have, you know, three or four ball screens in 24 seconds, right? Um, you're going to have a lot of uh, one – I mean, they make – they're one extra passes to the corner uh, and one extra passes to, to guys on threes. is just unbelievable. The timing on all those things. Um, you're not going to see a lot of dribbling. Uh, you can see a lot more ball movement. Um, and the other thing is you can see every position utilized. So, you know, here we've kind of gone away from the post a little bit in America. Um, there you, you'll see them, you know, throw the ball to the post. And the same guy that can score in the post can also pick and pop and hit threes. So everybody's very well-rounded, very fundamental. Um, and you're going to see them, you know, they're going to be able to beat you from all three areas of the floor. So as far as um, on the floor game style, uh, you know, overall, it's just a lot more team-oriented game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, the, the things that you mentioned are spot on. Um, you mentioned a lot of the ball screens, which I feel like are starting to become more common now in the States that, you know, we've picked that up from international play. Um, and then the isolations, like everybody can handle it over there, no, no doubt. But it's how they use the, the handle. And, it, you know, it's much more efficient, fewer dribbles, 
you mentioned the one extra pass. Um, and then I know for me, when I was playing in college, we still had a 35 second shot clock. So even going from 35 down to 24, that was a big difference for me to just get that uh, internal clock in my head of saying, okay, we only have 24 seconds to get. So the pace of the game automatically speeds up, you know, when you take, um, you know, the shot clock down and more possessions going. Um, I noticed when I play, our college team went and played in Mexico one time, and the game there, I mean, I got the crap kicked out of me when I played in Mexico. I couldn't believe how physical it was. Um, and then I've had, I've played in a, maybe close to 10 countries, and as you mentioned, every country has slightly different rules that you have to figure out and get used to. Um, when I was playing in Germany, I noticed a lot of hand check, but if you bodied somebody, automatic foul. And then I was talking with one of my buddies who played, I don't know if it was Iceland or something like that, and he said the opposite. He said, really physical on the body. You could like bump and bump and bump, but if you touch somebody with your hands, it was going to be a foul. Everything was different. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and that's something I always talk to my pros about, and it's in all areas. As a pro player, you have to be able to adjust, you know, and that's, you know, on the court, off the court, you know, everywhere. But, you know, a lot of pros, as you know, they, they don't just play in one country their whole career. They're constantly jumping around. So jumping around, you've got to be able to figure those things out, those, those, little, um, those little details in each country, each league. Uh, and, and the quicker you could adjust on the fly, you know, the better you could be as a player. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, adjustment is a really good word because as I've spoken with other guys trying to get them and help them in their path overseas, the basketball itself is an adjustment. And then obviously the lifestyle is an even bigger adjustment, especially depending on where you're, you're living, what country you're playing in. Um, that can be a really biggest, big adjustment with the language as well. Um, so if you're a pro coach in Europe, what are some of the things that you're looking for in an import player? And what are some of the things that you as a scout are looking for in a prospective player to play internationally? So we're both looking, I would say, for the same things, mostly. Um, most uh, overseas coaches, one of the first things they always say is they want a guy with character, okay? And this is talking about bringing their American in because – when you come in as an import, you're not only just a basketball player for the team. You're also the, usually the face of the organization, depending on how many Americans they bring in and stuff like that. But, you know, you could be somebody that's got to do community events. You're going to have to go out, you know, talk to sponsors before or after the games. Um, so they want somebody that's going to represent, you know, their franchise well, not get in trouble off the court, not do anything stupid. So, I would say, you know, first and foremost is somebody with character, somebody that um, is professional, you know, off the court. So that's, and that's for me, you know, mirroring that, you know, um, that's, that's also something big for me. So when I recruit a college player, you know, I don't just ask the coach. I mean, usually, like you said, I've seen him play already. So I'm not asking, hey, tell me how he is as a player. I'm, first thing I'm saying is tell me how he is off the court, you know. Does he love to play? Does he love to practice? You know, how is he with other people? How's his personality? You know, is he a good guy? You know, all of those things. And so that's all the questions I'm asking. And, and even when you go and play overseas, I mean, 
once you go from one country to the next, they usually call your former coaches, you know, from overseas usually, and they'll, they'll ask them about them. So that's going to follow you your whole career and, you know, your character, your professionalism. So um, that's, that's one of the big things to start. Um, I would say another thing is, you know, do you have pro, a pro body or pro athleticism? So, you know, they've, they've got a lot of, you know, you can't just be a player here that's going to look the same as a European player most of the time, you know, they want somebody that's going to stand out, you know, um, or you could be able to create your own shot if you're a guard. I mean, this goes for different positions, but when I see a, you know, let's say a two or a three, a wing position player, you know, can you score? I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. I mean, can you create your own shot? Do you have to let other people create your shot for you? If so, you know, that's probably not going to work in certain areas of Europe. Um, if you're a big guy as well, can you score? Are you athletic? Can you rebound? I mean, they want guys that are very well-rounded in Europe. They don't just want usually a guy that, you know, comes in and does one role. I mean, when you get to the higher levels of Europe where you get six or seven Americans on a team, they can start doing that. But when you first start as a player, usually you're not going to start at that highest level. So you've got to come in and be able to guard the other team's best player. You've got to be able to, you know, score a lot. Um, but at the same time, there's a fine line between being selfish and scoring. So they want somebody that's to get people involved too. Um, and that's a, another whole discussion, <laughs> how that happens. But, um, you know, you've got to be able to, I mean, you've got to have some, uh, you know, some dog in you, you know, you've got to have some competitiveness and, and be willing to uh, take big shots and um, be able to carry a big load. Uh, so, you know, those are just um, some things that I look for as well as overseas coaches. But, you know, overseas coaches, they've got tons of players being thrown at them every day by agents, by other team, you know, like coaches they know in Europe, by players reaching out to them directly. So they've got a lot of options. So they are going to have high demands, right? And they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I have 1200 bucks," And it might be for, let's say, like a, let's just say point guard, right? I have 1200 bucks for a point guard. And their demands will be, okay, I need him to be at least six foot two. And they'll have like, you know, actual heights most of the time. They, they'll probably say something like, I need him to be a leader of the team, a really good person off the floor, you know, 36% at minimum from three. I need him to be able to play, you know, ball screens. I need him to be a physical defender. And they'll have all these things, and then they'll say 1200 bucks. And it's like, man, you're, you're describing, you know, John Wall or something, right? <laughs> and, um, and so that's – but that's how – I mean, you know, to be fair to them, they have a lot of choices. And there's a lot of guys that they'll have, uh, you know, the ability to scout and different things like that. So. Um, they, you know, they're big on point guards being able to make make decisions off the ball screen. So if you're a player in college and you play a lot off the ball, but you're a point guard size and you don't have, you know, you haven't been doing a lot of reads on ball screens, um, that's going to be a big adjustment for you because you've got to be able to, I mean, like we already said, they, they're heavy ball screen offense. Um, so you've got to be able to come off the of ball screens and, and, you know, lock in your defender and, and see where the big's at and, and make the right read. And, you know, sometimes that's you scoring. Um, you know, sometimes that's you making the pass. But, uh, you know, that's, that's huge um, to be able to do. So for point guards, 
that's that's one of the things I really look at is does their system in college play ball screens um, or not. So, no, so it, it sounds like you know you're looking for players that really can play within more of a motion offense, being able to make reads, make initial decisions, a lot less sets. And I would would that be a big part of it? Like if you're a college player and it's just you're playing one set, one set, one set, it's going to be a lot harder for you to transition to the international game? Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, they, they run a ton of sets over there, too. Um, I would say I, that's not one of the main things. It's just, you know, how you're playing within those sets or within the motion. You know, that's, that's really the big thing. And like I said, for me, it's if I had to grade it, what's, I mean, character's most important. And then probably number two for me is, you know, do you look like a pro as far as like your body, you know, athleticism? Because if, if that's the case, especially when we're talking about big guys, you know, that's even more important a lot of times than stats or some other things. You know, you can you can improve in a lot of areas if you already have that build and, and pro size, pro length, pro athleticism. Like I said, when we're talking about bigs, you know, fours and fives. Um, and then, you know, when you get further down, it's, you know, can you score? How, how do you do different things? Um, what's your skill set like? And Because uh, some guys can't help, you know, what kind of system they play in. But there are certain systems, yes, that do translate better overseas. And some coaches that, that you know, teach more of a European style. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you've, and, you, and you've got to have a high IQ, especially for certain countries. I mean, we're, we're talking Germany. You know, you've got to have a higher IQ, I would say, to play in Germany than maybe, you know, another country over here, right? So, um, you know, are you able to pick up? Because they do they do play a lot of sets, you know. Um, like, let's say you're just used to a dribble-drive motion in the U.S., right? I would say that that probably doesn't bode as well, you know, in a lot of countries in Europe because dribble-drive, usually you don't do a lot of ball screens. You're not doing a lot of sets. Um, but, you know, over there you're playing – you are doing a lot of sets uh, that are that are more fluid, you know, where it's not a set where it's just one ball screen and he comes off and then there's a down screen, right? It's, you know, a, a pin down into a, you know, dribble handoff into a pistol action. You know, they, they're doing all kinds of things on both sides. And it's um, it's beautiful basketball, as you know. I mean, it looks it looks really good. So, yeah, it is. You definitely have to have a high high basketball IQ here. 100%, 100% right. Um, I know a handful of players that went over there and they could play. Like if you just were running open gym or running fives in a pro-am, something like that, they were going to be really, really good. Um, but then you threw them into a game where you have all the other team has scouted, you're expected to know their plays, obviously execute all your plays and the different reads, and you know, they really struggle. And, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that from just seeing them play in an open run or something like that. You definitely have to have the IQ, the decision-making skills to go along with it. Um, so with that said, if you're – obviously, as a college coach, you want to win with the players that you have. That's your main focus as a college basketball coach. Otherwise, you're going to get fired <laughs> if you keep losing, right? But – if you're trying to help your players play at the next level, and if that means internationally, what are some things that college coaches can do to improve their players and get them better, improve their chance to play overseas? Okay, so one of the big things is, I think, to be honest with them. So, um, 
like, you know, especially if you have somebody on your staff or if you know somebody that could come in and, and tell them, um, you know, hey, this is what really, uh, really happens overseas or in professional basketball or maybe somebody on your staff that's already played over there, um, you know, semi-recently. Uh, so being honest with them on their chances, um, you know, on what it's going to take from them as far as a player, especially like, you know, teaching them early on how to get good sleep habits, <clears throat> you know, how to eat right, uh, taking care of their body. Um, you know, like I said, as far as being a pro and, and being, you know, a grown man, I mean, you know, it's not when you go over there, they're not going to just wake you up in the morning to go to practice. They're not going to be like knocking on your door when it's time for this. I mean, you've got to be able to do things on your own. So as much as you can, you know, helping them with that transition off the court, I think is huge. Um, another thing is, and I see this more at the high major level, but you've got guys that let's say you've played four years at the same college. And I know you've seen this too. And then, you know, your junior year, you're pretty good. And then you get to your senior year and then, you know, a freshman comes in and that senior gets his minutes dropped, you know, and I see that a, a good amount of time. And that really hurts your senior because let's say you were averaging, you know, five points a game freshman year, seven sophomore year, you got up to like 11 junior year. And then senior year, your minutes dropped and you dropped all the way down to like six points a game. Well, that overseas team, a lot of times they're looking at that senior year and they're saying, hey, you know, what happened? Like this guy must not be that good, whatever. When in reality, the guy is just as good, if not better than they were as a junior. But there's a freshman that came in, maybe the team, you know, is it winning a lot? So they want to develop the younger talent. But then that senior, you know, you just cut his uh, marketability and you know, his money down significantly. And sometimes you've actually hurt him so much that it might be even hard for him to get a job, you know, because overseas teams, sometimes when they see that stuff on paper, they're not going to sit there and ask every time and do the research on why this happened. You know, they're just going to go on to the next guy that has better numbers his senior year. So, and of course, that's a great area because as a college coach, like you said, you're, you're more so worried about your own job and, how can you win? But there's sometimes, you know, winning doesn't help the pro career. Sometimes, you know, helping the pro career doesn't translate to winning. So there's a, you know, there's a fine line there um, that's, that's sometimes tough. Um, and then, you know, I would just say, you know, another thing they could do is, is bring in guys that have played in that program um, that have already played overseas, bring them in multiple times a year, have them talk to the guys, um, if you can have them play with other players, uh, you know, that, that play overseas now, you know, just kind of get them immersed as you can, as much as you can. Um, like you said, you took a trip overseas uh, when you played in college. You see a lot of schools doing that now, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, so that's another thing. And, I've, and uh, you know, to kind of transfer it to the G League, I've said this for a while, I think it would be great if, as a college program, you took your guys to go see a G League game because, um, you know, we, we haven't talked much about the G League, but everybody's like, oh, yeah, I can play in the G League, you know, all this stuff. And then, and then it's like you go to a G League game and you look down the roster and it's all, you know, former, um, you know, all ACC, uh, you know, all Big Ten, you know, all these big, big time players. And I just think it would be really eye opening for a college 
team to see that. I mean, these guys are former McDonald's All-Americans and, and there's a lot of talent there. So um, as much as you can open their eyes to, hey, you know, this is this isn't easy and this is this is where you have to get, you know, as a player and as a person to get to this level, the better. Uh, that's some that's some golden information for anybody that's that's listening. Um, I love so many of the different areas that you just mentioned. I mean, you've talked about character, you're talking about honesty, you're talking about the fact, that especially internationally, you got to be able to take care of yourself on a daily basis. I have to be responsible. I have to be on time. All these other things that maybe I didn't have to deal with when I was a college player going to class. It's on me now, right? And in a sense, I am my own business as a as a professional player now. So that's really really big and then you talked about the level like whether it's overseas g league chances are though all every player was the best player on their high school team best player on their aau team they were one of the best players if not the best player on their college team and now they might not even be playing in the g league right or you, you go overseas and depending on where you're at you might be asked to do everything right or you may be asked to to play a specific role, right? It just comes down to that maturity, the understanding of how good those players are. Um, and then internationally, you're like, oh, I'm not even competing against the Americans. I clearly am. But there's guys from Croatia and Serbia and everywhere else. And these guys got game too. <laughs> and I got to be able to, to, to play well against them. Um, which brings me into my next question. You kind of led me into it I hear so often of yeah you know if things don't work out I'll just go play overseas you know or a player who's finished high school and they they're going to play college basketball yeah you know after this you know I think I'll probably go play overseas uh, for a few years and having been through that and knowing how slim the chances are especially if you're a person like me who plays small college basketball I mean, it's like a 0% chance almost if you play. I played Division three basketball, right? There was only one person in my four years. You think of the thousands of players that I played against overseas. There was one person that played Division three basketball the whole time that I played. And he was actually a teammate of mine. <laughs> he was one of the reasons that I got the shot to go play overseas. Like, it's slim to none. Um, and you got to be – you're playing against the majority of Division one players you get the chance of being over there. Can you explain um, you know, how good you have to be to even get a job over there, even at a lower level, um, and kind of the small percentage of the, the people that actually do get that chance? Yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, I, I tell guys all the time it's it's not easy, you know. <laughs> and I, I don't know if they realize um, quite what I'm saying. I mean, it's <laughs> like sometimes people ask if I can play in the NBA, and I just – I always joke, I'm like, if you tell everybody no, that you're not going to play in the NBA, you're going to be the most right, uh, you know, scout there is because you're going to be right 99% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's the same thing, you know, playing overseas. I mean, like you said, everybody says, oh, yeah, I'll just play overseas, and they think it's easy. And what I say is, look, there's a lot of people that have the skill set and have the talent maybe to play overseas, but then when you – look at how many jobs there are there's there's never enough jobs i mean there's always going to be more players that are capable of playing overseas than there are positions or play let's just say capable of playing professional basketball right and 
and you know, there's, there's multiple factors. I mean, one, you have to get lucky, you know, you've got to be in the right place, right time, you know, having the right agent helps, um, you know, what's your, what's your bio, you know, I mean, we, we haven't talked about that yet, but you know, did you play college ball? Which level did you play at when you played? Uh, what was your stats like, you know, um, what position are you? I mean, you know, guards are a dime and dozen. If you're big, you got you you got a better shot. It's just the way it is. Um, so all of those things are factors, uh, you know, in in playing um, professionally. I mean, it's um, like you you've just got to look at the numbers. Like, let's just take Division One for instance. I mean, there's what is it, 355 plus Division One schools. Well, every one of those schools, let's say they have um, three seniors. You know, you're talking about over a thousand Division One seniors entering the market every year. Okay, well then you've got, let's just for sake of argument, just say a thousand D2 seniors and a thousand D3. Well, that's three thousand seniors. We haven't talked about NAIA yet, so let's just say another thousand, which there may be more. So that's four thousand players, Steve, that are entering the um, job market each year new rookies well then you've got all the players still over there there's well, not four thousand that are trying to quit playing <laughs> no that's the, that's the thing i mean there there's there's not many players year to year that want to retire i mean guys want to play until they're you know essentially till they can't walk right um you know it's it's fun playing professional basketball so you each year then those rookies have to push out a guy that's already played and you know you're always you're taking another grown man's job so um it's there's there's a lot of factors there and you know there's like you said there's not four thousand players that want to retire you know there's not that many positions anyway um so guys really have to do a lot of different things to kind of you know set themselves apart um you know to get a leg up and uh you know, just to, just to get in. I mean, money should be the last thing as far as importance. You know, it's all about just getting in. I mean, there's guys that play in the ACC Power Fives. You know, they're taking under a thousand dollars. You know, to play. You know, a month. So if you're if you're a guy, let's say from a low major college or let's say a Division two school, and and you're saying, oh no, I'm not gonna take that job. It's not enough money. Well you know, that's fine. There's 10,000 other players that will gladly, uh, you know, take that spot. Um, and I mean, you're a testament. I mean, you know, being able to go from division three, uh, to play in, you know, overseas, even for one year, but 10 plus years like yourself. I mean, that's huge. I mean, um, I rep one or I rep two division three players. Um, and one of them, you know, has an international passport, uh, and he plays in Israel. The other, you know, he, he doesn't, but he's grinded it out and, you know, it's a testament to his hard work and, and where he's been able to go. But, um, you know, each level kind of has a stigma. I mean, overseas teams, they don't know individual schools as much. They just see tags. So like they see the division one tag. Okay. He's division one. And as soon as they see that division two tag, they automatically think he's not as good as that D one player. And then they see that D three tag and they're like, okay, well he must not be good. He's division three. So, you know, I, I try to explain that to guys like, okay, Hey, you may be really good. You know, you may be playing, you know, let's say NAIA and 
you're, I could see like you're a division one talent. Like you should be at a division one school, but the overseas team, yeah, they'll see your highlight and stuff. But the first thing they'll see is NAI, you know, and that's, those are very hard things to overcome. And, you know, the guys that play at those lower levels, they might have to do more. Um, you know, a, fr a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Ekstrand, he's um, on the PIT, the Portsmouth Invitational Committee. He has a great quote that I'm always copying. And he says, some guys have to keep proving over and over that they can play, and other guys have to keep proving over and over that they can't play. <laughs> what that means is, you know, you could be this high major player that was heavily recruited, McDonald's All-American, but maybe you haven't gotten a lot better, and you keep getting shots after shots. like. Okay, you get invited to – you may get drafted, then you don't pan out, then another team takes you, you don't pan out. Then you get a job, job overseas because you have the resume of getting drafted even though you're not that great. You don't pan out, and you, and you have to keep proving to teams that you're not that good, you know, but you get tons of shots. Then you've got the other guy that went undrafted. You know, he may have to grind his way up through camps, and then he keeps proving over and over that he can play, and then he gets the job, and then just to get his second job, he has to keep proving over and over that he can play. So, I mean, that's just the uh, kind of the nature of the beast and the nature of the business um, that we're in, you know. You sound like a, there's a bunch of players that are coming into my, my mind as you went through that on, on both ends of the spectrum. And uh, absolutely right. I know I, for, you know, I played Division Three, and we had one of the best teams in the country. And so I didn't play a lot. So not only was I division three, but I didn't have very good statistics because I might only play, I think I, going through our regular season, my senior year, I played like 22 minutes a game because we broke the league record for point differential. <laughs> so what were you going to do? You know, our, our third string was playing almost as much as our starters. So my stats weren't very good. Um, but I hopped on a uh, semi-pro team and I was averaging like 20 some points a game playing against guys that played overseas and they were doing this in the off season to make some money. Um, and so when I got my shot to play in Europe, only one team wanted me to play a lower league team in Germany. And when they were talking about, you know, kind of why they chose me, <laughs> they were picking it out of like the 10 games I played in the semi-pro team compared to my career in college. And I was like, man, like playing in college, I know it was a lower talent level, but they're scouting, they're trying to stop me, right? And then I go play in basically a, a the semi-pro team, which is like open gym for high-level players. And so, yeah, the talent was like division one, but nobody's scouting anybody. Like we're just going out there and playing. And so scoring 20 a game in that league was easier than scoring 20 at the defense <laughs> level. So it's you know, you definitely have to get that chance, that opportunity, and then make the most of it. Um, and understanding that, as you mentioned, there's a million people that, that want your job. And so if you think, you know, you're too good for that, well, somebody else will gladly take it. And then one of the biggest things that I think people don't understand about international basketball, if you could speak on it for a moment, is like everything's free over there when you're playing. So you know, if the job's $1,200, it's like, yeah, it's $1,200, but I have zero expenses, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's huge. I didn't realize how much money I was making 
until I moved back to the States and got a regular job. And I was like, oh, I got to pay like rent. I got to pay electricity, heat, Wi-Fi. I got to pay for my food. I got to pay for my car insurance. I got to pay for a vehicle. Like, okay, this is thousands and thousands of dollars every month that I never had to worry about. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And uh, I mean, all that stuff's usually covered in contracts. Um, and then, you know, not only that, like the cost of living is another thing that like doesn't come up much, but let's say you're in a, a country that's really cheap to live in. Um, you know, not only then are you getting your apartment and your Wi-Fi and your health insurance and, you know, a lot of times your meals and your car are paid for, but then shoot, when you do go out and spend money, you know, stuff's really cheap. Um, so there's, uh, now then again, you might end up in a, in a country like Iceland or somewhere like, or Switzerland where the cost of living is incredibly high, but usually the, the contracts, um, you know, cover that. Like if you, let's say you're a player and you, you can, you can earn, let's say in a cheaper country, like 1200. Well, then when you go and play the, in the more expensive country, they're not going to just pay you 1200. Like obviously the, the cost, um, the salaries there could be higher to kind of, right way way that so yep i know <laughs> i played one year in slovakia and it was i mean my wife and i together might have spent 300 dollars in groceries a month something like that it was yeah. like that was that was nice uh, almost all the money was you know just right into the bank account um what are some things that you've noticed that and i know you've touched on a little bit but the international players do well that seem to be able to stick over there and actually have a career compared to just getting the chance to play for one or two years and then they wash out? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, you know, again, like the professionalism, you know, comes back into play. I mean, you know, um, a guy that, I mean, we're, we've already touched on all the things you've got to do to be professional. Um, but another thing is like, uh, you know, how well do you adapt or adjust like to that um, market or to that city, to that country? So they love guys to come in and like, you know, essentially fall in love with where they are, right? And really embrace the culture. And, you know, if you do all those things, you'll get the coaches, the GMs, the ownership will, will love you, you know, and they'll say good things about you. They may even want you to come back. They, you know, they may want, um, you know, they'll say good things about you to the next team to ask about you. Um, so that's one thing that, that you see, uh, you know, is kind of consistent. Um, you know, obviously the big thing is can you play? I mean, you know, that's, that's obvious. Uh, if you're not very good, you know, they're, they're not going to just most of the time keep giving you chances. Um, you know, that's when your career can end quick. So. Uh, like you've got to be able to do what they brought you to do there, you know, um, scoring obviously translates to a lot of different places. We already mentioned that, uh, winning is huge. Like, so if you go over there and for the first couple of years, you know, you're, you're taking teams to the playoffs and you're in organizations that are finishing top of the league. I mean, winning matters a ton over there. Um, especially like in places where you could get relegated to like the second or third divisions staying in your current division or bumping up to the next division uh, really means a lot. So they're, uh, they're able to see 
you know, all these things like on Eurobasket and, and they're able to do their research and find out kind of, you know, what your situation was um, as far as win losses. So that's, that's another big thing as well. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, just how well you're, I mean, we already talked about, it, but how well are you able to adjust to, to the different situations? Like did you get a new coach? Um, you know, things constantly change, new teammates, new coaches. Um, you know, how, how well are you able to adjust from, from situation to situation? And, so can you uh, talk about that a little bit? The, you know, like almost everything over there is a, a one-year contract. Um, you're not only switching teams often, but you're switching countries. Can you talk about how many changes are going on so fast and kind of the cutthroat nature of that business? Yeah, I mean, like you said, most contracts are one year and, you know, as opposed to like MBA where you're signing multi-year contracts. So essentially you're always fighting for your next job. I mean, you know, you're coming back in the summer and you're a free agent usually again, and then you got to go through the whole process again. But, you know, teams very rarely stick to the same team the whole year. Like, you know, even let's say they keep all the imports. Well, then they might switch out a domestic player or, you know, like usually the more winning you do, the, the better you could be as far as everybody keeping their jobs, right? But even sometimes you may be winning a ton and then they pick up an extra player when they get to, to the playoffs because they want to, you know, just reinforce. So very rarely do you have a team that stays the same team the entire year together, every player, you know, you have players that get injured, you have players that get released and then they bring over new players. Um, you know, you may have a coach get fired and then when the new coach comes in, he may decide to bring in all new imports just because, <laughs> um, you have guys that have certain situations back at home. Uh, one thing to note, Steve is, um, you know, you don't see trades in Europe. Like you don't, you don't ever see that, like, you know, one team trading it. So that is one thing that you don't have to worry about, but, um, but you know, you do have, you know, all those other things I just mentioned. Um, so how are you going to be, you know, your role may adjust, you know, you may be the top guy and then, you know, they bring over a veteran that's making more money than you. And, and now he's the guy and you're going to take a back seat to him or, you know, what, what have you there. So uh, yeah, a lot of different things to, to discuss there and the one year the one year contracts and the fact that you're almost competing and it sounds bad but it's true in a sense you're competing against your teammates because if your team's not winning and there's two or three import players on the team there's a good chance one of you is going to get switched out for somebody else which means you're now you're trying to win but you're also trying to make sure you're playing better and stats look better than your own teammate, which isn't conducive to building uh, a cohesive unit as a team, but it's the way it is. We had one year I was playing in Inner Bratislava, who you're probably familiar with, and they brought me in late. They'd had a good season before, um, and then they started the season off slow. I joined the team late. They're not doing that well. We, we had another American, and we got a – Canadian import player and right before Christmas break he comes up and he says Steve you know something just doesn't seem right if I was you you know I wouldn't come back after Christmas <laughs> I'm like what are you talking about why would I not come back up Christmas and he's like 
I don't know. Something just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. It's like I got the contract. Like I played well the last couple games. Like it took me a little while to get used to you know the style and everything over here. But I'm playing pretty well the last few games. I'm coming back. So I come back after Christmas break. Guess who got fired? <laughs> that Who's guy. That? And I know that if I was not coming back, he would have kept his job. And I was like, man, that's cutthroat. Like, dang, that's that's bad. But it's just kind of the way you kind of figure out how things work work over there. Um, do you have any other kind of unusual stories or examples of you know how the international game works over there it's very much like what have you done for me lately yeah I mean uh you know I'll, I'll uh <laughs> I've got a lot of stories I mean we talked about that earlier I, I could go on for hours with that stuff but I do have um you know one really uh it's not a it's a little bit funny looking back on it but at the time it was a little scary um so I'll, I'll tell you that and then uh you know, I'll just mention real quick, you said, you know, some other little tidbits. It is, you know, what have you done for me lately? I mean, once you get into the pro game, you know, the longer you play, they're not going to look back next necessarily at your college stats as much. You know, it could be, what have you done the last year? I mean, you could have been great, 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 and kept moving up, moving up, moving up, and then had one bad year. And, you know, depending on who you are, who your agent is, what position, all these other factors. But that one bad year, now you're not going to just be able to move up to the next level. I mean, you might have to, you know, make a lateral move or even go down a league or, you know, and they'll, you know, the better player you are and the more experience behind you, if you have one bad year, they'll, they'll ask, okay, hey, what happened here? And usually it's something where, hey, you know, the, the coach wasn't as good or, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of factors there. Um, so, but I'll, I'll tell you one, uh, one funny story, this happened, um, you know, I'd say, shoot, it's probably been five years ago, um, six years ago or so. Uh, one of my players, I, I won't give his name, but he was playing in Estonia at the time, okay? And he was like a second or third year as a pro. Um, and uh, he, you know, he was, he was doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing. He was um, messing with a girl, you know, there in the community, you know. And it just happened, though, to be the girlfriend, I guess, of like a mob boss in the, in the city, right? And so uh, the general manager of the team, or I guess he was, you know, director of player personnel, he was, he was one of those titles. Um, he actually got a phone call one night, like in the middle of the season, real late by the, by the guys in the mob. And they said, hey, we need to see you. And so they, they, they met him at a undisclosed location and they essentially let him know that hey you know we're gonna we're gonna kidnap your guy you know you're american and you know you may not see him again and um you know the the gm guy he he was like look you know he was talking to him like like you can't do that to this guy i mean this <laughs> this is my american player you know <laughs> and uh and they essentially said well let's fight over it so like this gm had to fight the the mob guys <laughs> And like he came into practice the next day with like a black eye, and the player was like, "Hey man, you know what what happened?" And the the GM was you know just furious at the uh, at the player um, for what happened. So that was that was funny afterwards, but at the time I was like, "Hey man, like dude, you you don't know like what could have happened there." So that was just a learning lesson for him is 
you know, be very careful um, with that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, as crazy as that story is, it does not surprise me one bit, uh, especially, you know, I had that one year of playing in more, more so Eastern Europe and Slovakia, and I'm like, yeah, that I can definitely see uh, <laughs> how some of that stuff stuff would happen. Um, Coach, what would be some advice that you'd give to someone who is interested in becoming a, a scout or an international coach? I mean, you have such a unique job, uh, and you get, I mean, you get to watch basketball, you get to talk to so many different uh, coaches and players from all over the world. I mean, that's awesome. Um, what advice would you give somebody who wants to do what you do? Uh, network, network, network. Okay. Like, I mean, I know people have probably heard that before, but that's, you know, the bottom line, that's one of the biggest things. Um, try to, uh, try to work as many events as possible. Um, you know, even if you have to work for free, I mean, my, when I was in college, I was doing a lot of free stuff, you know, volunteering, coaching at camps, um, you know, being a scout, volunteering with that. Uh, so it, you know, even if you have to call different places, I mean, camps, you know, events, uh, you know, when it comes to teams with coaches, I mean, very rarely will somebody turn down uh, somebody that's willing to just come and, and wants to learn as far as, hey, you know, I'll do scoreboard for the day or, you know, I'll, I'll shag balls for you or, you know, I'll do all these little things. And by doing that stuff, that, uh, that can open up doors um, as far as, you know, one, getting experience on your resume, but then two, you know, meeting people, being able to show them, hey, I'm willing to do the little things. Uh, and, and then, you know, usually what happens is that, and I've seen this, and Steve, I know this is the way it is for you too. In basketball, usually when you're doing one thing, it always kind of becomes something else. Like, you know, because you're doing this, then you meet this person, and then that person turns into this opportunity, and then that thing, they introduce you to somebody else, and it's just kind of this, this cool – um, thing that happened so I would yeah, say it sounds like, like how I started my my basketball <laughs> player development business right there yeah no exactly and I mean it's the same thing you know even becoming a pro player I mean sometimes is you know hey I mean like you I mean your 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 teammate you know um, you know it's because of this guy I mean it's it's always you know yes you have to do a lot of things on your own you've got to be a hard worker and you've got to um, do put in the time but you know, you, you've also got to rely on other people in this business. And, uh, you know, that's all built off of relationships are huge. So in the networking, um, it's, uh, it's not only, you know, who you know, it's who knows you and who can vouch for you, you know, your character and, and your work ethic and, and your, um, your honesty and, and what you know, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found that whether you're an individual as a team, like, anything you want to be good at, it's going to be hard work. It's going to take time. And as may, as much as you may have those characteristics, it doesn't happen alone. Like there's, there's other people that help you get certain opportunities. And you mentioned it with the networking, like I'm looking at my notes right here. You know, you're talking about, you got to be able to understand the game. You have to be able to obviously play the game. And you talk about the team game internationally, being able to make the good decisions. Um, but you also mentioned character honesty, networking, getting to know people, those are all key characteristics in any area of life. Um, last thing, Coach, um, 
you run uh, scouting exposure opportunities across the country, um, would you share a little bit about those opportunities that you run in, in the U.S.? And even I know you've done some overseas work as well every year. Yeah, it's called uh, Coast to Coast um, International Basketball Showcase. And uh, my business partner is George Nesman. Um, he, uh, he's an ex-college coach from California. He was a head coach in Division I ranks, um, you know, has a lot of years experience. And we launched it uh, last year. Um, we did three camps last year. Uh, we're doing a few this year. Um, we, uh, we did one in Las Vegas. We did Cal uh, California and North Carolina. Um, and this year we're kind of expanding that out also to New York. Our camps right now, it's a little – up in the air because of the obviously with the virus um but right now we're still planning to go ahead with with pretty much all of them uh, vegas is a little bit in doubt but um one of the cool things we do at our camps is all of our coaches are, are active pro coaches from different levels um and then we we encourage a lot of agencies to attend so it's the exposure there is really big um we run you know organized camps where you know guys get filmed you know guys get really coached hard uh, and at the end of the day, you know, they get exposure. So, um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of good camps out there and, uh, and, you know, this year, um, it's going to be really vital for players, you know, especially guys that maybe didn't get, you know, the opportunities that they would have gotten normally, you know, with PIT, um, the Portsmouth got canceled, you know, NBA summer leagues probably could get canceled at least in July. Um, you know, at best it gets pushed back a little bit, a couple more months, but, uh, you know, this year with the, with the virus is really going to be interesting is there's going to be, you know, less jobs and, you know, the markets could, could kind of um, constrict a little bit uh, with budgets being cut. So, um, you know, it's vital for players to be able to get, you know, wherever they can this year, you know, either whether that's semi-pro or low-level overseas or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, I'd uh, – the uh, guys could go to the website. It's it's Coast-to-Coast um, -coast Basketball. and uh, they can find stuff there and, um, you know, coast to coast has, is on, um, Instagram, Twitter, and, and they could see a lot of good things. Last year, there was, uh, over 50 players that signed contracts from the three camps. So we had a ton of talent and it was really successful. So it was good. That's awesome. And with the situation that we're in with COVID-19, I think some of your events are even more important than they were even before, as far as getting players, the exposure, and the eyes on them that are needed because all these other things have been uh, cut short, unfortunately. Uh, Coach, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for everything that, that you're doing. Keep up the great work. Uh, if you want to contact uh, James Blackburn, I'll make sure that I put all that information where you can get a hold of him in the show notes. Thanks again, Coach, and uh, get after it. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me, and um, keep up the great work.